Well, it's always something with these holiday marathons. No matter how much I prepare beforehand or block out time, whatever, something always happens to derail it. One year there was a Canadian snowstorm, another year it was like I had computers but no internet. This year my furnace cut out and my pipes froze. I am sadly not kidding, It's it's been kind of miserable. <laughs> Adulthood is such an interesting game. But while it does come with, like, the pain of having to deal with your house falling apart, but it also has stuff like insurance and paid vacation days and sick time to actually take care of these kinds of things, which is a freedom you don't have much when you're in your teens and 20s, so I don't know, I guess it all evens out. But yeah, the issue with the furnace had been going on for so long that I'd kind of become numb to it, literally and figuratively, but... Once the pipes froze yesterday and then my washing machine, like, output cracked, it was just like, you know what, no, we're done. We're so done with everything. And so we're taking a day off work to not only fix my house, but catch up on this holiday marathon because I need Pokemon things to distract me <laughs> and make me happy again. Winter is cold when your furnace doesn't work. It's been like camping in the Arctic over here. I have not enjoyed it at all. But one thing I will enjoy is today's episode, because we're going to finish the episode of Ash and Gary, the rivalry battle of legend, the second of two Pokemon battles they have had, and the one that, you know, really means something. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome to Pikapi Podcast. It's a show about the Pokemon anime, uh, more so than the misadventures of homeowning. But occasionally we, we tangent off into strange and unusual things. Today's tangent is advice for young people growing up into adults who are considering buying their first home. Uh, cheaper is not always better. Just something to keep in mind. But what we actually do on this podcast is go through each episode of the Pokemon anime one at a time and really just delve in and dissect everything. And we will definitely do that today because Ash and Gary are so deep and rich as characters, and their rivalry has so many dimensions. I love it. Pikapi Podcast is brought to you by Poke Press, who just started their own podcast, so, you know, head on over and give them a little bit of love. Every new podcast needs some support and some people to cheer it on, so they are the Poke Press Digest Podcast, and right now you can find them on SoundCloud, and I believe they have their video up on YouTube now as well. Poke Press's channel on YouTube also has a lot of other interviews and interesting things about the Pokemon world and insight and exclusives from all corners of the Pokemon franchise. So hit them up there or at their blog page, pokepress.blogspot.com, and I'll have links to those things uh, in my blog page as well, and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. 
Let's get into this episode, though. Finally here. It's called Can't Take the Heat. And last episode, we'd frozen on a frame depicting an epic showdown between Heracross and Blastoise. Um, And today we find that these two Pokemon are not even remotely matched. Um, Blastoise's Hydro Pump knocks Heracross out in one hit after going through solid rock. So yeah, with Heracross down, Ash goes in with Muck. Now Muck has a slightly better time of it since its body is basically goo. It can bounce back from things like Rapid Spin and can smother its opponents completely. Um, But that Hydro Pump proves to be just a little too much for it, especially at close range. So Ash pulls Muck back out and sends in Bayleaf. The first time in this battle that Ash has played to type. And the first time his team can take Gary by surprise. Because remember a while back uh, when Bulbasaur used Vine Whip to jump? Like, Bayleaf pretty much invented that. Despite her size, she can jump and move and dodge like a pro, and that Hydro Pump won't do a thing if it can't hit. And if Blastoise, powerful but not speedy, is facing a faster grass type that can dodge its big attacks and come at it from above, Gary's in trouble for the first time this match. But only for about a second. Remember, rapid spin. Gary's not stupid, like that attack can help Blastoise dodge just about anything, and it's fast enough, uh, it's just fast enough to break out of it and use Bite as Bayleaf gets close, um, seizing the leaf on her head and then spinning her around like a discus. And now Bayleaf has fainted. So we're not even five minutes into this battle, and Ash has lost three Pokemon, while Gary has lost none. We're in trouble. And up to this point, We've had no clear indication of what his strategy could have been. Like, I have no doubt Ash had one. I guarantee he put thought into this, but it's hard to guess at what Ash was thinking. Because Gary has steamrolled half of his team. Opening with Tauros was a weird choice, I think. But I'm guessing Ash just wanted to lead powerfully with a Pokemon that's extremely versatile. Powerful attacks, great defense, fast. Like, maybe he wanted to test the waters, see what Gary was capable of before showing his best players. Save them for later in the match? I don't know. After that, though, like, it's just hard to give commentary on Ash's plan when each of his Pokémon was only on the field for a few seconds before getting pummeled. But I will say, looking at this team, Heracross, Tauros, Muck, Bayleaf, Charizard, and one yet unidentified Pokemon. This is a team that is pretty evenly split, like 50% powerful heavy hitters, 50% wild cards. Basically, Ash had a few of his dependables, and then left himself a lot of room to go crazy. And he's gonna need to, if he wants to turn this around, because, yeah, Gary's Pokemon have barely broken a sweat, and Ash is now fighting with half a team. How do you recover from that? I will say, Ash does not have the face of one who has just been run over by a truck. He seems pretty confident, considering half his team just vanished like they weren't even there, including one who has literally fought until the very edge of her life against terrible odds and had a type advantage, like... And then there's Gary. He's as confident as one would be in his position, And I worry he may be picking up a few of Ash's tricks. 
But he's not in a taunting mood. In fact, I'd almost say he's proud of Ash. That's the vibe I'm getting. Well, the rules of the Johto League here are that uh, they break when one challenger has lost three of their Pokemon. So Ash gets to go back to the dugout and face Pikachu, who is in a bit of a tizzy, like, put me in there, put me in there, let me at him. And since Pikachu is not a registered member of Ash's party, uh, like we discussed last episode, um, nor can you hit up a PC in the middle of the match, Ash's roster still stands. He can only use the Pokemon he registered before the match. But wow, Pikachu really wants to fight. Understandable, as Ash looks like he's gonna lose. I imagine Pikachu's mental state is like, if you do this to me, if you like have a repeat of Indigo League where I work so hard and then you just waste the last round. <laughs> uh, I like the tone Ash takes with Pikachu though, like trying to explain why he can't do this. It, it, it sounds like maybe the decision to not put Pikachu on the team did not go especially well. And again, just imagine how that conversation went down, like, Okay, Pikachu, we gotta find your Pokeball. I need to give it to Professor Oak. Uh, no, you don't have to be in it. I don't think. Oh, I hope not, anyway. Even your friendship has a limit. Why? Oh, uh, well, you see, I need six Pokemon for today's match. And I decided that, well, you're not one of them. Like... I'm picturing a very stony silence at this morning's breakfast table. Food for thought, though. It seems Pikachu didn't have to be in his Pokeball when the registration went down. He doesn't have to physically go into the PC. And since Professor Oak is on site, it's possible that in registering Ash's team, all he'd have to do with Pikachu is just hand him to the Professor, Pokeball and all, and thus get around the issue of Pikachu being able to be present to watch Ash's match, despite not being allowed into the party. But what if circumstances were such that that couldn't happen? What if this match, or some other in the future, made that impossible, where Ash needs six Pokémon who are not Pikachu, but the only way he can legally do that, Pikachu has to go into his Pokéball and be transferred through the PC. For whatever reasons, they can't play loosey-goosey with the out-of-the-ball loophole, and Pikachu just has to do it. How does that scene play out? Because yeah, Pikachu hates Pokeballs. But Ash is a professional Pokemon trainer, and there may come a day where Pikachu strategically doesn't fit a particular match criteria, and there is no room because Ash needs to fill all the slots in his party for the match. Does Pikachu refuse and challenge Ash's authority, declare himself as somehow above the rest of the team? Does Ash buckle down and argue the issue? Does he rethink the strategy? Does he say, okay, you won't do this? Then we're not competing. I won't make you go into a Pokeball if you don't want to, but you are not the right choice for this match, and you do not dictate to me how I train. Like, when it comes down to their dream, Ash's dream, and their friendship, would Pikachu go into the Pokeball? I mean, we'd all like to think he would, but there have been plenty of times when his, and by extension Ash's, safety have been endangered just because Pikachu doesn't like to go into Pokeballs. 
most notably that one time with Colress and N and machines that controlled Pokemon, that whole thing. That time Pikachu got to wake up and go, please Arceus, don't let him be dead, and please Arceus, don't let it be me that did that to him. All of it could have been solved by going into the stupid Pokeball. Like all the other Pokemon. And in this hypothetical scenario we've made, some match where Pikachu is not a member of the battle party and has to be switched out, for my part, I don't think Pikachu would. He would refuse. He would fight it. He would shock Ash if he tried to argue the point. And that's kind of why I want to see it happen. Because I don't think Ash would let it break their friendship. But it would give us a bit of a rift. A schism. This would be the first time the two had an actual fight. All the ones up to now have been one-sided from Pikachu's end, usually. We we brushed up against the possibility in Diamond and Pearl with Pikachu running off with a Thunderstone and Ash was a bit passive-aggressively rankled by that. But these two don't really fight, not mutually angry at the other division. Little bouts of mind control and stuff like that is not the same thing. And this is one issue that I can really see them disagreeing on absolutely being personally hurt or frustrated, and not being able to reach a solution in three seconds. And yeah, I think Pikachu could come around eventually, or Ash could decide that Pikachu will be on his team forever even if it's not the best choice, and that's just how it is, so deal. Like, they would get a resolution in time, but they wouldn't get there in one conversation, not even in one episode. So I want to see it. I want to see a day where circumstances are such that Ash flat-out needs Pikachu to not be in the next battle, and the only way to free up the slot is to send him through the PC. Set up that scenario, then step back and let character development take its course. But anyway, in the actual anime we're watching, um, while Ash and Gary are on break, Mom and Professor Oak are chatting. And they've been fun, this whole match. Like, Mom's snapping pictures of everything, and... Professor Oak is like, Ash's Pokemon, yep, taught him everything they know. <laughs> it's so fun. But now, Delia comments that this match is basically a reflection of Ash and Gary's lives. Like, they never change. Gary's the confident one, ten steps ahead. Ash is always following and struggling to keep up. And Professor Oak says he may not admit it, but he thinks Gary considers Ash his most important friend of all. Delia smiles and says she thinks Ash feels the same way. And it's interesting to see Ash and Gary from the perspective of the adults in their life. Like, because they know the boys compete. They watch them grow up. Those two are rivals with a capital R. But they kind of talk like Ash and Gary are still friends. Which, as an audience, is not how we might describe them. Certainly not based off of anything we saw in Kanto. Now... Are the two of them starting to remember that now? Well, the break's over, and here's where Ash starts to turn things around. He sends out Snorlax, who can last through just about anything, including Gary's Arcanine. Even while turning into a living bonfire thanks to Arcanine's fire spin, Snorlax still stands strong and gets off a hyper beam, and Ash actually gets a KO. 
I guess it's a sign that they're both powerful teams, but I am a little shocked that they're getting so many full knockouts. I mean, all the attacks that have done that have been the heavy ones, like Hydro Pump, Hyper Beam. Those are the ones doing the heavy damage. And I guess we could be getting a lot of critical hits, too. But Ash and Gary are basically playing Pokemon like Battleship. Like, if the attack hits, th that ship sinks. And maybe this is really the bit of insight into Ash's plans that we were looking for. Like, Ash specializes in the unconventional. For as much as his main plan is rush in, get off a Thunderbolt, and get out like Rambo, he comes into most matches by now prepared to do something crazy if he has to. Like, I'm sure in the back of his mind, even the easiest looking gym battle has him thinking things like, Okay, in case the opening move fails, can we bust through that skylight and attack from above? <laughs> like, oh, if we turn this field into an ice rink, could we use the walls for traction? Like, he's been through this enough now. He knows things don't always go as planned. <laughs> and what if his whole goal was to do something crazy from the outset? After all, Gary's so good at what he does, anything conventional Ash could try has already been tried by dozens of trainers before him, and all of them got beat. Like, you think nobody's faced that Blastoise with a grass type before? Ash's only hope is to overpower Gary outright, unlikely, or take him completely by surprise. And as we see, 50-50 split between the heavies and the wild cards. Maybe Ash's plan was to start off unusual and go nuts. Gary sends out Nidoqueen. A normal trainer might send out Bayleaf. Ash sends out Tauros. Nidoqueen is not fast. Tauros could have used Fisher, just headbutt it till it breaks. Like, if it's one of the herd with a ranged attack, it could have done that. Like, you know, it's an idea that might have worked, except Gary's strategy is clearly do not let Ash live long enough to do anything. Do not volley. Don't give him the chance to return the serve. Spike every last ball. If Ash gets an opening, Arceus knows what will happen. Like, he knows how Ash battles. He knows what Ash is known for, his battle style of crazy. And Gary so far has not come with subtlety. He's come with strong Pokemon that can whack Ash's Pokemon into fainting the second their attacks connect. And with three Pokemon down, Ash is now forced to play that game. Hence, Snorlax. Snorlax is a wall. Gary can try to take it down in one hit, but it won't work, and so Ash has a chance to set up his serve. And it will have to be a good one, because Gary comes back with the Needle Queen, and it looks like they were working on something over that short break, because it's using its tail to jump, getting way more airtime than a heavy Pokemon like that would normally and Gary says he learned it from Ash and Bayleaf. Uh-oh, he's stealing all your tricks, Ash! Um, but Ash's Snorlax is wearing its Air Jordans today. It not only dodges a hyper beam by <laughs> just rolling over, um, but bounces up and comes down on Needlequeen with Ice Punch. And so ends the reign of Needlequeen. Both boys are now three on three. Gary's impressed. Ash trained a Snorlax to move fast. Yeah, the kid can use Snorlax as part of his sweeper strategy. <laughs> and the two of them are starting to enjoy this battle. Well, Snorlax is fast for a Snorlax, but not for a Caesar, Gary's next Pokemon. 
that one can zip around dodging hyper beam and get in some fury swipes, metal claw. It's a problem for Ash. Snorlax faints. That Caesar will be tough to beat, and Brock comments that Ash put his team together for more power battling, so that, that speed might be a problem for him. I would disagree, like, because again, 50-50 split on the power versus Mew knows what Ash was going for. Um, but Brock does have a point that Pikachu is not on this team. Cyndaquil is not on this team. Ash's small speed demons that dish out powerful attacks like his usual MO, they are not here. So yeah, Ash is going for something off his main course, yet has found himself in a situation where Pikachu would be really, really valuable. So you gotta imagine what both boys were like picking their drafts, that Ash would decide to deviate from his norm just to throw something at Gary he wouldn't be expecting, and that Gary would throw a Caesar on his team just in case Ash went with only big heavy powerhouses, and then he could turn the tables. But if he suspects I'll do this, he'll do that, so I'll do this. But if he thinks that I'll think that he'll think that... <laughs> well, Ash sends out Muck to counter Caesar, which was a great move because Caesar can't hit it without hurting itself. Until it finds a way to throw Muck into the air, and then when poor Muck is just a raining pile of sludge, Caesar uses Swift. And so Muck faints. I want Ash and Gary to battle again, like, full six on six, now that the show's animation is so high level. Like, now that we're getting camera pans and continuous movement and such. Because I think the way they just plow through each other here has a lot to do with the limitations of the show at the time. Though this is still on a higher level than anything we saw last season. Um, but really... There are two Pokémon that are destined to fight today. They are the ones the match will come down to. Ash and Gary managed to block each other until both were down to one Pokémon each. Wait, you say, one? Gary still has three. Ha! Not once Ash sends his last Pokémon out. That Caesar might as well not exist. Ash sends out Charizard. And now, like I said... Caesar might as well not be there. It's gone with minimal effort. Gary's next Pokemon is Golem, and if Charizard gets that one, then it's still got to get through Blastoise. But while the crowd might think Gary's got this one, remember, Ash thrives on the type disadvantage. Charizard is able to endure Golem's magnitude, but then his own seismic toss fails, because Golem is just that heavy. I, I guess Charizard wasn't ready for it. That's okay, though. Dragon Rage just obliterates its opponent. So now it's Blastoise versus Charizard, and Ash is like, Advantage? Who cares? <laughs> Direct quote. I love it. And I also love, um, while Gary did use his starter Pokemon in this match, Blastoise, one Pokemon he didn't use was Umbreon. And it could be because Umbreon doesn't really fit, again, the theme Gary seems to have gone for, which is his really big, powerful hitters that can defeat someone in one attack. The only exception is the Caesar. And Umbreon is very talented, but doesn't quite fit that, that plan. But also, like, I don't know if the parallels between Umbreon and Pikachu are quite the same. Like, if Gary was ever as close to it as Ash and Pikachu are, 
But I do think it's interesting that just as Pikachu didn't make it onto this team, neither did the Eevee Gary trained up to be his best partner. Something to think about. So we start out Flamethrower versus Rapid Spin. So Blastoise deflects Charizard's attack and then unfortunately gets a direct hit in with Hydro Pump. So, ouch. Charizard is struck down at almost every turn. It tries to fly behind Blastoise to attack. Blastoise uses Skull Bash. It starts firing Hydro Pumps. Um, the announcer points out that Flamethrower is pretty much worthless. Luckily, Charizard's gotten into a groove. It can kind of dodge those hydro pumps. Um, and Gary has a nice line here, like, you've always been good at thinking outside the box when you had to, but none of that's going to help you now. Like, yeah, I don't believe Gary ever really believed Ash was a loser. I think he's always known exactly what Ash is capable of. I'm kind of flashing back to that one moment where, you know, Gary's a jerk and Ash is a loser. Right up until about when Team Rocket attacks, and then Gary is just like, whatever, Ash, go take him down. You got this. And I think right now his whole team is based around making sure that Ash's team goes down fast without any chance to come up with something creative. Because he knows in that arena, that's where Gary is going to lose. That's where Ash is superior. And in this case, Charizard is spending most of his time dodging that Hydro Pump, the one that can one-hit KO his type-neutral teammates, so even though he can fire some flamethrowers, he can't get a clear shot. And that's when Ash gets the idea. The fatal, crazy idea that Gary was hoping to prevent. Ash gets it in his head to have Charizard start using flamethrower on everything that isn't Blastoise. Like, that's much easier. And it's not like Gary is going to start having Blastoise break its own defense to guard the field, so... In Gary's face, he's like, Okay, Ash has lost his mind. That's probably bad for me. <laughs> Gary's genre savvy, I love it. And, and the announcer, oh my gosh. Like, pretty soon we realize that Charizard has been melting the rocks on the field and, and has basically turned it to molten lava, so the Earth itself attacks Blastoise. And the announcer's like, what kind of crazy, I mean, ingenious strategy? <laughs> Gary tries to regain ground <laughs> by having Blastoise use Hydro Pump on the field and cool it down. But this causes a huge mist of steam to rise up. No one can see anything. And it gives Charizard a chance to get up close and personal. And when the steam clears, we see Charizard and Blastoise locked in close hand-to-hand -hand combat. And yeah, at that range, those cannons on Blastoise's back are kind of useless. But Dragon Rage? Perfect shot, all lined up. Fire to the face. Uh, now yes, Blastoise can dodge a bit by retreating into its shell, but then what's going to stop Charizard from grabbing it and taking it to the air for seismic toss? Nothing, not even bite attack. And that attack goes off perfectly, Seismic Toss. I think Gary knows it before the Pokemon even hit the ground. I mean, yeah, Blastoise managed to get up after that, props, but it doesn't make it any farther. Charizard just waits it out, and soon, Blastoise falls with a massive thud of finality. And Ash is kind of stunned, like, I won, and I beat Gary. Not sure which of those is more unbelievable. 
And Gary's reaction is similarly subdued. He's just like, huh, and leaves. Pikachu goes running onto the field like, let me at him, I'm so proud. And, and all Ash's friends come on and congratulate him too. They and the Pokemon gather. And Ash can really relish for a moment that he beat Gary and won his first match of the championship rounds. Like, he's never made it so far. This is a big deal. He should be proud. Though saying, I finally beat Gary, is kind of misleading. Like, we are really one pickup match from Ash beat Gary, period. I mean, I think the general idea is Ash finally beat Gary at anything, but still. When it comes to Pokemon training in specific, there have been a lack of battles, and I will not let anyone forget that. Gary is such a little boss to keep holding on to that, you know, unbeatable rival title, even though he's not actually done much to prove it. <laughs> but anyway, with this win, I kind of have a new insight onto what Ash's strategy might have been, or part of it. Because it reminds me a little bit of when he fought Drake uh, for the Orange Islands League trophy. And remember, that was Ash's first six-on-six -six battle ever. And remember at the time, like, he knew he had nothing in his team that could take that Dragonite directly. But he knew that Drake would save Dragonite for the end. So Ash fought that match with the idea of taking out as many of Drake's Pokemon as he could without, you know, suffering any casualties so that he had his entire team available to whittle down the Dragonite at the very end. And in this match, he almost seems to be going for a similar thing, but in reverse. Because he knows that Charizard is the best he has, especially since Pikachu's not fighting this match. And Ash had a line when he called Charizard out, saying, it's time. And there were a couple times prior to that where, you know, using Charizard might have been the better move, like sending Charizard out against Caesar. Like, that could have ended that quickly. But Ash chose to save Charizard to be the last and final Pokemon. It almost feels like he was trying to clear the field, to get as many of Gary's Pokemon down as he could with the rest of his team so that Gary had as few Pokemon as possible available to try and take down Charizard. Like, Charizard has now become the Dragonite in that situation. And the rest of Ash's team are almost kamikaze pilots. Like, he doesn't expect them to win the match. He just expects them to run as much interference as possible, to take down a few Pokemon if they can, tire Gary's Pokemon out if they can't, so by the time everybody's fainted and Charizard has to come out to the field, Gary's team has been reduced down to something that Charizard can deal with. It does seem that that might have been a huge driving point in Ash's mindset, anyway. Um, but the episode is not over with this. Like, Team Rocket has been making a lot of money uh, selling their pins and collector's items. But remember, they've got that Delibird uh, chasing them to collect on their Team Rocket dues? So they might not be able to keep all their earnings. But they realize that if they can keep this going, they might be able to earn enough to pay back all their debts. And then they are truly free agents. The idea is so appealing that even hard work seems like a good trade. They'll invest. They'll go corporate. They'll open a string of little shops. Well, it's good to have dreams. As night falls, we get to talk about some of those dreams with Gary. Because, well, Ash just beat his rival. 
They've been through a lot. Maybe they should chat. Gary calls Ash out to meet him by the lake, and there he gives Ash his half of the broken, rusty Pokeball. And he says, it's yours. You earned it. Our battle was awesome. Like, and he's so nice and cheery. Ash looks like he's waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, but Gary confesses that way back when they tied over that Pokeball, he felt like a failure. But today, Ash totally beat him, fair and square. Ash beat him in front of a lot of people, and there's no excuses Gary can make. He just didn't measure up that day. And he doesn't feel like a failure for it. That's kind of huge. Um, and Ash and Gary both admit they think they got a lot stronger from battling each other, and then they shake hands. Gary promises to cheer for Ash in his next match. My heart. My sappy, sappy heart. Well, the next day, on the grass field, Ash faces off against Harrison, and he's all out, Pikachu leading the charge. But Harrison's not going to back down and sends out Kecleon. I know. Ash and Pikachu have no idea what that is. Like a Smeargle doing cosplay? I, I don't know. And that's where the episode ends, with, with Ash and Pikachu just in a stunned stupor. So next time we'll talk about Harrison's match. Uh, but let's, let's talk about the one that just happened. Like, holy mew, Ash had half a team, most of which was type disadvantaged, and he turned the whole thing around. Like, barbecuing the field, nice move. He, he took control of that. And Gary, Gary fights his childhood rival, loses in front of everybody, and doesn't feel like a failure. He's not the best at Pokemon training, at, at anything, really. Like, remember, when the announcer introduced him, all he could say was, yeah, this is Gary Oak, his grandfather's famous. Like, Gary didn't even make it through the prelims at Indigo. Like, this is all the world will remember about Gary Oak, the Pokemon trainer. And he's okay with it. He feels happy with himself and for Ash and uh, all the good things. Gary's happy. Look at him, happy and smiling. Like, I'm so excited for you, Ash. You totally deserve all the good things that are happening to you. Like, And Ash gets to become friends with someone who used to torment him. That's wonderful. My boys, my precious boys, like, look at them. And there's something bittersweet about this because Ash and Gary, they've made up. They, they are friends. And, like, Ash has always been willing to put behind him his issues with not being able to get to, like, beat Gary if only Gary would give him a chance. Because, you know, Ash has the similar problems with, say, Richie, like, beating him. But, you know, Richie's not a jerk about it, so Ash gets over it pretty quickly. And Ash has had many rivals in the past and the future. And now, like, Gary is... He's realized something about himself. He's become more secure, whatever... With Ash being able to have that experience of beating Gary once and knowing that, you know, he's, he's got the skills he needs, that people telling him he's not good enough is a lie, and then Gary having the experience of failing at something against the person it really mattered to him to beat, and in front of, like, his family and, you know, the world at large... And realizing that he's going to be okay. 
and, you know, being ready to, to start that truce. Like, yeah, they're still rivals. They always will be, but they're not enemies anymore. They are friends and that's wonderful, but it's never going to be like it used to be or like it is with Ash and Pikachu. Gary and Ash grew up together and from that, they shared a special connection. And you can see that every time Gary shows up, like I said, Pikachu almost becomes a third wheel. He almost fades out of the picture. Like Ash and Charizard, stuff has happened between these two, and it's it's never going to be how it used to be. They are never going to be able to laugh and play like completely carefree and and joyfully in the same way like that Ash does with Pikachu. It's not going to be the same. But the fact that they could repair what was broken and make something new, like that's so special to me. I'm so happy. Another thing that makes me happy is Pokemon Fantasy League. Let's let's talk about that. We have two random points to flip a coin for. The first was the appearance of Wobbuffet. Wobbuffet popped out of his Pokeball, and so... It is a Tails uh, that goes to Logan. And our second one was Mr. Goodshow showing up, watching Ash and Gary's battle intensely. And it is a heads for Evan. For the points both boys drafted, <laughs> Logan's team drew heavily on Ash and his Pokemon, so so this uh, went well for him. <laughs> um, Ash and Gary both got their points uh, for appearing in this match last episode, um, but Ash did win this match, so he gets his point for that. Um, Ash's Charizard also appeared in the match and won at least one round. And Ash's Snorlax appeared in the match and won at least one round. And then Ash began his battle with Harrison. So he gets a point for appearing in that battle. So that's a total of six battle points. And then Dragon Rage, the attack was used twice. Uh, that's the attack Logan drafted. So two attack points and then one event point because Ash and Gary shook hands. So that was a total of nine. For Evan, Harrison gets a point because he and Ash started their battle today. And then Kecleon appeared. So it gets a point for appearing in a battle. Whether or not Kecleon and Harrison get their bonus points for winning the match, we'll have to tune in next time. Evan's drafts were very Harrison heavy, so I'm expecting good things. But yeah, for Team Evan, he has the two battle points and then one random point for a total of three Logan is sitting at 9, uh, the draft points, and then 1 random point for a total of 10. So that brings the total score uh, for Team Evan up to 16, and for Team Logan, 36. Like I said, tune in next time to see how that match plays out. And thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for being patient uh, while I was dealing with my house and <laughs> couldn't get episodes up. We'll keep working until we finish off the Johto League. If you want to keep up with the podcast, comment on anything, you should visit us at Facebook or Twitter at Peacappy Podcast. Um, visit us on our blog page, peacappypodcast.blogspot.com. You can also send an email to peacappypodcast at gmail.com. And as always, keep listening to us on iTunes, Zune, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again. This has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all.